So Akshi, question for you. Do you think that there are more doors or wheels in the world? Wow. Okay. I didn't know we were getting deep into this. Um, (laughs) I, they're not really comparable things, but if I had to guess, I would say there are more wheels in the world because each thing that needs a wheel needs more than one, unless it's a unicycle. That's true. But like, think about a car. It needs four wheels and like six doors sometimes, depending. Oh, right. It does need six doors. Okay, wait. I'm not thinking about oh. car doors. Are we thinking about every kind of door? Every kind of door. There's there, so many, there are many doors. doors. <laughs> That's so true. And this is why this question has been so hotly debated by the internet community and the community at large. Oh, wow. Okay. But like house doors don't have wheels. That's true, but there's stuff in houses that have wheels and not doors, like rolly chairs and office chairs and like... Yeah, it's like the two of those things balance each other out. It, it seems to me like there might be a near infinite amount of both. So the real answer is that there's an equal-ish amount of doors and wheels because like lar- law of large numbers, the limit does not exist. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. <laughs> I want to agree with you. I think I do, but I'm also not entirely sure because I don't know all the types of doors that there are. Like I can only think of a very few. Well, that is, that is a fair place to be, I think for most people. And that's why on today's episode of the unfinished mind, we'll be demystifying doors and talking about all the kinds of doors that there are. Uh, so that Akshi and I and you and everyone can have some more door understanding. Some uh, more clarity on this question, because now this is all I'm going to think about for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. So hop on in. We're going to open the door to knowledge. I'm Ren. And I'm Akshi. And let's learn about doors. Hey. So let's talk a little bit about types and designs of doors, which is Honestly, such a big topic. I don't even think we'd be able to cover most of or all of it. Um, but let's think. What the, the real question, the real philosophical question of today's episode is, what really is a door? What is a door? <laughs> what does it mean to be a door? What <laughs> defines door? D-O-O-R. So the one that we picked is um, essentially it is a movable barrier that allows movement into or out of an enclosed space, which I can't, I can't ever unread that. I've never actually thought about doors. <laughs> yeah. You've never, you never like sit and think to yourself, okay, what, what constitutes like the definition of a door? Like is a cabinet door still a door? And it is because it stuff is. go in and out of a smaller space. And but it's, like, it's a barrier. A door a that door? It's, it's not a drawer is not a door. No, it's not. God, okay. So as we're talking about this, let's get into the types of doors. So first off, as Ren was talking about cabinet doors, we have hinge doors that are held up by hinges along one side of a panel that are connected to a wall or a cabinet. Um, The hinges allow the door to swing open, often in only one direction. So... uh, does it only allow in one direction? Oh, yeah, you can't open it inwards. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sometimes. I'm thinking too hard. <laughs> but usually yeah. it's just the one way. 
Yeah. Secondly, we have sliding doors that open horizontally and are called such because a panel is slit to the side, often parallel to the wall. Is this like sliding windows? That's another door, but it's still okay. Anyway, it's like, it's like patio doors, you know, like when oh you, you yeah, know, like two glass panes and then one of them or hotel doors, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Then we've got revolving doors, personal favorite. Use multiple doors that are attached to and turn about a vertical axis in a cylindrical space. People enter one partition and push that panel in one direction to enter or exit an enclosure. I always think of that scene in Elf where Buddy like runs around in one of one of those revolving doors for like a good 20 minutes, just like screaming <laughs> in delight. And I kind of want to, you know, it's on don't, don't let anyone enter or exit that. It's just you going exactly. 20 minutes <laughs> as fast as possible, getting busy. <laughs> and um, fourthly, we have reinforced doors. Uh, they're modified to increase the security of the door by targeting the weakness of the door, like its frame and locks. Huh. Interesting. So from these, Ren, what's your favorite? I know mine's a revolving one, but I'm guessing your chaotic energy matches that. I mean, that's true, but my favorite is probably honestly, it's a type of hinge door. I guess one that does go both ways. I love a saloon door. I love those weird oh. half doors that don't do anything. Like they're not they're not doors, but they are doors because the they, they allow movement, but they're mainly yeah. just like there for the vibe. Yeah. I like them. It's like wearing like a piece a vest. of clothing. Yeah. Like a vest. It's it's like the vest of doors. Like vest. It doesn't do anything. It just adds. It just adds <laughs> to the outfit. <laughs> we like that you chose the most non-functional <laughs> door as your favorite. <laughs> I I mean, it's just the kind of door that brings me the most like immediate euphoria when I see it. I'm like, oh, nice. Yes, you go. You're bad at your job. Yes. That's so cool. Oh, God. I mean, speaking of feeling euphoria from doors, uh, actually, no, that's not a good segue. Let's talk a little bit about designs that influence behavior. Yeah, like how doors make us act certain ways oh okay yeah speaking of euphoria let's talk about how the design of a door influences us and influences our behavior so there's meaning in how we interact with doors and others so think about this next time you open your door or any door we have um door etiquette this may feel so natural that you rarely notice it unless someone doesn't follow it it's polite and seen as an act of kindness to open the door for others so, you know, you don't really notice it until someone doesn't open the door for you. And then you are like, wow, that's, that's not right. <laughs> Secondly, we have slamming doors that breaks etiquette and is often seen as disruptive and rude and displaying of anger. So and thirdly, we have whether your door is open or closed indicates whether you're welcoming interruptions or not. So if you've closed your door, you're probably wanting to stay in your space with no interruptions. Very so, true. This is true. Doors really do have a lot of influence on behavior. And speaking of behavior, we can also talk about the same in video games. We have video game behavior where tackling doors vary on discipline and certain affordances. 
In games, doors are often interactable objects that lead to some event or action. When designing a door in games, there are several considerations to be made in its style, functionality, and whether players can recognize that this object is even a door. I can only think about those horror games. When it's like, yeah, like yeah. doors. Uh, to me, a door in a game, like half the time, doesn't open anyway. It's like, why yeah. did you put a door here if you're not <laughs> supposed to open this door? I'm confused. Yeah. So I guess yeah, it makes sense. yeah. Those doors where you open it and there's just a brick wall in it. Yeah. Just yeah. to give you bamboozled. Exactly. It, that's crazy. So concept artists create several artistic variations of what a door would look like. A gameplay programmer writes scripts to indicate whether the door opens or closes based on some in-game criteria, like distance from the door and or whether a key is in hand. UI designers create and implement features icons to tell players, hey, this is a door. I, I too sometimes need to be told when <laughs> it's a door and when it is not a door. I understand. Fair enough. Fair enough. I guess in some like fantasy games, doors don't look like doors do in our world where we have like a simple knob. You know, it might just be like a, a weird looking archway that has to mm -hmm. somehow be a door so like yeah. make it glow or something maybe like that i don't know all righty so let's talk a little bit about affordances affordances since we're talking about video games um affordances are perceivable actions which are designed based on the player's needs and previous experience in the game so let's say there's a door right and that it is triangle shaped and it slides up which i don't even okay i, I okay this is a little difficult to imagine but it slides up how would a player know that this is a door if they've only encountered rectangle-shaped hinge doors previously? You know, there's, there's nothing to indicate that this triangle thing that goes up is a door. You can add things like an icon, like an enter or exit sign, a handle, an arrow for sliding direction, a door window, etc., that the player has most likely been exposed to before, even if that's in real life. And these features are based on past experiences with doors to make the interaction with the object much clearer. And affordances apply everywhere, especially doors. Ever pulled a door that has ended up being a push? Yes. Every <laughs> day, almost, it seems. Wow. I've never thought about these things so, like... Yeah, and there's a lot of social engineering, I guess, that goes into everyday, like, human landscapes that we see and we don't really yeah. think about it but when you actually like sit down and think about all the weird signs on doors like exit or you know push what and how like certain bars are shaped you know on the door to tell you it's a push or a pull I yeah it's interesting it really is and that being said I, there's a lot of cultural habits surrounding doors because i mean you interact with the door every day probably more than once in a day and because of that there's certain connotations that we humans have built into doors for example the door open slash closed culture uh having an open door is like a popular idiom in in our in our society it's a term that implies freedom of access to all this can often be taken in context of like social movements like an open door immigration policy is something that means immigration is open into a country yeah, yeah open door is like a very broad term used in lots of contexts that way and another thing to consider is that doors define space they 
door to my bedroom right here defines my bedroom as a room that is separate from the public space of the rest of where I live. Right. So this is especially true in Western culture where people use their doors for safety, like locking doors. So only people with keys can get in or, uh, using doors as a demarcation of their space, which again is big in Western culture. So back in the 1920s, most cars did not have lockable doors. As time went on, more people began locking doors as the perception of safety in the U.S. became more jaded. And by the 1950s, many cars had locks and many people locked their doors. Cars not having locks at any point in time just seems a little interesting. A little bit. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. I would not trust it. (laughs) (laughs) No, as most people did not. (laughs) I had a friend in high school who would always leave his car door unlocked because he said there's nothing worth stealing in it and it's a piece of garbage. So so he wasn't worried about it, but I still was like, someone could get in there and just like be in there without your permission. I don't know. That's your space. That door demarked your your space. (laughs) It sure did. (laughs) It demarked it. (laughs) So consider bedroom doors. Uh, This is another popular Western door because in Western culture, it's generally acceptable to have your bedroom door closed and even locked. But this is not true for all cultures around the world. Consider that, I suppose. I just think that... At my house, um, at least when I was a kid, closing my door was, I don't know if I was allowed to do that. Oh, I see. Yeah. Was that? I had to leave it open because otherwise it was like I was up to sus behavior. (laughs) Yeah. I guess that makes sense. I, I knew a lot of people who had to have their doors open if other people were in their room with them, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess my parents just didn't care. They were like, close your door if you want, weirdo. Anyways, (laughs) you at dinner. That was that. Not really. They're nice people. Mm. Uh, But some parents, speaking of parents, grew up having to keep their doors open if they had doors at all or living with their siblings. So they follow this rule with their children as well. The idea that without an open door, or with an open door, no shady stuff can happen inside. Exactly like what Akshi just said. Uh, Another type of door that we've all certainly come to appreciate is the bathroom door. Europeans, as well as many other cultures, close the bathroom door after using it, which has caused the dismay of many Americans. This may come from the fact that old water closets, aka bathrooms, were malodorous. Smell bad. Smell very bad. So closing the door after use can give your nostrils some rest. But Americans are used to keeping the bathroom door opened a bit after use so that others can easily tell if the bathroom is in use. Prevents that horrible moment of knocking on the door and someone from the inside saying, someone's in here. I was thinking <laughs> that one John Mulaney bit. Uh, I don't know why it's more embarrassing to be in the bathroom than it is to be knocking on one. Oh, it is. It is because it's like being caught doing something (laughs) very wrong. It's like normal human functions. Yeah. Yeah. Bathroom etiquette is one of my least favorite things. And we're not discussing it on this podcast because I think that's far too blue. We we (laughs) will watch the doors. Um, Yep. My goodness. Some crazy things. And I I hate the idea of public bathrooms are the worst place on earth. (laughs) So 
Another thing that's pretty common with doors is decorating them. It's something that we like to do culturally. So specifically on sliding doors, sliding doors were found in Roman houses as early as the first century CE, according to archaeological sites in ancient Pompeii. Since the 7th century, Japanese houses have had structural partitions known as fusuma, which are used to create a separation between the rooms. These sliding doors are sometimes used in small private rooms and sometimes to divide larger rooms. When paper was brought to Japan from China, it replaced silk and the fusuma shoji changed their name to the karakami shoji. Shoji? I'm sorry, I probably butchered that. But basically, the translation is paper shojin doors. These doors were made of paper called washi and held in a bamboo grid. These were originally used as room dividers, but then became sliding doors with ornate decorations. And I don't know if you've seen any pictures of these sliding doors, these paper doors. They're mm. beautiful. They really are. Beautiful. Absolutely stunning. It would be such a privilege to stay at a place with those kind of doors, you know, just Agreed. soak in that culture. <laughs> yeah, I, I would and, really love to tour the Japanese countryside and see some okay. of the, like, older homes with it, too, because oh, stunning. Speaking of which, there's actually I don't know why I just randomly remembered that there's these places in Japan that just have a collection of old houses that nobody inhabits anymore that is open for the public to come and just look at the architecture. Whoa. It's like a zoo, but for houses. That's (laughs) so cool. Just like a museum of houses. Kind of. And they're all old too. So it's, it's a little archaic. It's a little, I I think it's such a cool concept. I think we should try to do that for ourselves at some point. That's fascinating. I I really, and you know, Speaking of different cultures and different types of doors in different cultures, we also have different uses for them across the globe. Um, whereas like so an example of such would be lavish front doors versus minimalist sliding doors that don't take up much space. So the, the use for these kind of doors changes um, in different places. Um, Europe is known for its very ornate, lavish front doors, as I was talking about. This style has transferred over to the U.S. in many respects. So, you know, we've adopted, U.S. has adopted some of these aspects of door making. When you walk by a house or apartment, the first thing you notice is a door. Making the door ornate shows the owner's wealth as an indicator of how bougie, how bougie is your lifestyle. <laughs> Bouginess of the door begets the bouginess of the inhabitant. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's good. That was a good one. I like that one. <laughs> So large swinging doors are also much stronger than more minimalist sliding doors. So there's a safety aspect to that. The culture of closed doors ensuring safety or, or ensuring safety is the Western hemisphere that is transferred over to ra- having rather hefty front doors that are hard to pry open. Not a fan of a hefty front door. Not really? A- I kind of like that. <laughs> it just depends on the heft, though. If it's too That's, fair. That's very fair. I don't approve, but that's okay. Well, I'm pretty sure we mentioned this in a previous podcast, but we can talk a little bit about feng shui, which is also very important for doors. Ancient Chinese traditional practices, which claim to use energy forces to harmonize individuals with their surrounding environment. So I just gave you a little different definition of feng shui. In feng shui, it is especially important to avoid a direct alignment of the front door with the back door. The front door's good energy escapes through the back door. Interesting. Huh. That is interesting. Well, 
avoiding direct alignment of doors and windows is another thing that um, is incorporated in this tradition, which makes which creates rushing energy if you align these two things, as well as having too many doors and windows aligned in a row, which leads to weak energy. Wow, that's I, I guess it's like it traps the energy. The yeah, like, so it doesn't have a place to get out. Yeah, interesting. And the term arguing doors refers to three or more doors in close proximity, especially if they touch each other when open. In feng shui, these are known as arguing doors because the energy of their placement inevitably creates arguments and negative energy. I mean, I would certainly have an argument with someone if we yeah. had a mid-door collision. Me and my sibling, it's like, your door is touching mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it would get quite agitating. On the subject of front doors uh, and their specific good energy, I suppose, we have a lot of traditions associated with front doors. Uh, For example, the holiday traditions of like mistletoe. If you put mistletoe above your front door or perhaps a nice wreath, uh, it can be, you know, the Christmas tradition is you get you got to kiss. You got to kiss under the mistletoe. And usually people will put it on the front door. So it's like a when they enter the house. That's their greeting sort of thing. I don't think anyone actually practices the kiss. I've never met people who who really practice the mistletoe kiss, but maybe out there there's someone who who really holds that belief. Um, another thing that you could do is put a horseshoe on your front door. Um, used horseshoes usually placed heels up or down at the top right corner of the door frame to give good luck to people who pass through the door. So the more you know. Good to have uh, that sort of thing on your front door. Now, we've talked a lot about what front doors are, the cultural context that go along with doors in general. Um, lots of door talk here today, but we've not really talked about how the door sausage gets made, so to speak, meaning, you know, the doors. How terrible. I don't want to think about doors as sausages. <laughs> I was trying to fuse my metaphors. I apologize uh, for the sausage references. Yeah, (laughs) but let's talk about door production. So interior doors are often made using one singular material such as wood or fiberboard, and they're not really meant to withstand extreme conditions or circumstances. But exterior doors are typically much thicker and require additional reinforcement. They can be made from fiberglass, steel or metal frames to provide more structural integrity. They have to withstand the elements. Uh, As for inside doors, Uh, like the inside part of doors, I mean. Uh, They can have a solid core made of wheat, OSB, or particle board interior uh, that provides sound absorption. This is typically true of like room doors. They can also be hollow cores, which are lighter and weaker, but more cost-effective for pantries and closets. They could also be solid style and rail doors on the inside, which is to say that they have engineered wood to create styles and rails with exterior panels made from MDF or wood veneers. This would be like your outdoor door, you know, like when a front door has those divots in it, it's that sort of design. Uh, Another thing that can be used on doors to make them more protected are door skins, which this is not something I knew existed previously. Uh, They're carefully carefully manufactured smooth layers of wood that can be painted and attached to door shells. Uh, And door shells, while we're on that subject, are the outer layer and the door frame. 
And these can be pre-assembled with the door skins or it can be added afterwards. Um, they are carefully tailored to the size and shape or room opening, as well as the design of the house and the door opening. So that's a lot of door talk. Definitely not what they taught you in Monsters Incorporated in that one scene with all the doors hanging from the thing. Oh, God. It's hard. Doors are difficult. They're, they're not just wood like that. There's, nope. there's other stuff in there. There's fiberglass. You got like metal. The fancy schmuff. Fancy, fancy. I mean, they got us. They got to last. You know, I yeah. love my doors. Need it. Need them to last. Yeah. Now that we've like really gotten into the nitty gritty of these doors, let's just talk a little bit about doors galore. You know, the fun type of doors everywhere. Gotta appreciate this kind of architecture. Yeah. You would consider it architecture. Yeah, you would. Doors are great. So some instances of doors are examples of human genius <laughs> and make real meaningful improvements to society. They deserve recognition and thanks for their value. So next time you open a door, thank it. Thank the door. <laughs> Have you thanked a door today? <laughs> thank you. Thank a door right now. <laughs> Starting yeah, from the top. Door. <laughs> thank it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, Starting from the top, we have doors at grocery stores that open with motion sensor. We love a motion sensor. We love that. My mom had this really cute story where when she first came to the U.S., she was about 21 and they had motion doors Mm -hmm. that she had never experienced in her um, hometown back in India. And when she tried to enter it, (laughs) it kept opening and closing of its own accord, right? Uh-huh. And she had no idea. She thought it had a mind of its own. So she refused to enter the store because she thought the door would close on her. <laughs> so my dad would have to go get groceries while she stood outside. <laughs> and she was trying to brave the motion door. <laughs> That's so funny. It really is. And it's fair, though. I mean, I feel like as a kid, I was like, what if it closes, though? <laughs> what if it's squished? Yeah. It's like primal fear. I get it. Yeah. While we have these fears, motion sensor doors actually make it much easier to walk with two hands full of grocery bags. And we, because we would not be able to push or roll open these doors. And there's nothing I love more than going up to a motion sensor door and like pushing my hand at it. Like I'm a (laughs) telekinetic, like I have some sort of power. Like you've got the force in you. (laughs) Yes. Like I am a God and also 12 years old, apparently. Oh my, I guess these doors have also contributed a lot to our childhood. So thank you. Thank you, motion sensor doors. Second on our fun list is flammable cabinet doors that have fireproofed protection on it um, to protect chemicals in the lab uh, in any event, like if there's a fire so that they don't explode. So thank you. Thank you. Because I work in a lab. I appreciate these doors. Agreed. (laughs) I like these doors. Third, we have doors that close softly when you let go. And they help us be respectful to others without trying. <laughs> that is so nice of them. I love being able to trust a door, not to slam itself shut violently. Yeah. And it's like making you respectful without you really even wanting to be, you know, it's like. Yeah. <laughs> respectful by force. <laughs> by Fourth on our list is fridge doors, which make incredible use of negative space by including door shelves to more fully utilize the volume of the fridge. Wow. Ingenious. So true. I love fridge doors. We have doggy doors. 
the improved quality of life for animals and is has improved the quality of life for us all. Agreed. I like that. You know what? More than dogs can use doggy doors. <laughs> My cat had a doggy door once. Or perhaps um, a small pig. I have a question, Ren. Have you ever seen a French door? <sighs> yes, I must have. I can't place a time or, or a when or a how, but I must have seen a French door. Yes, I've seen a French door before. <laughs> now that you know, you know they're pretty. Very true. They are gorgeous. These are pretty. So if you haven't seen a French door, search it up and then thank it for being so beautiful. Thank you, French doors. <laughs> Her. <laughs> and then we've got revolving doors, which are energy efficient, ensure that the inside of the building is never directly open to the exterior. And they're fun. They're fun doors. They're the funnest door, inarguably the funnest door. <laughs> the funnest door. And then we have elevator doors that sense where they're when there's a person in the way and stop closing. This is the same as the motion thing, because I really think the elevator doors are going to kill me sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes some elevators do not care if there's a person in the door. So do you ever like Susan will stick their hand in and they're like, you're gonna, you're gonna get amputated, bro. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? So thanks to all elevator doors that actually do this and no thanks to the ones that do close (laughs) anyway, because those suck. You're bad. Bad door. Bad door. (laughs) And then we have the New York subway doors. They get the job done of transporting thousands of people from place to place safely every day, despite the fact that they look so flimsy. People lean on them when they're not supposed to. They don't stop closing, even if there's an obstruction and it's passed. It's, It's great. That's true. They, 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 these are one of the types of door that will not care. It will close anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and you have your apartment buzzer door systems. It's so good that you can let your guests up without having to come all the way down to the main door. I would know these are not just a New York thing, but yes, apartment buzzer I, door system. <laughs> Did they originate in New York? Is that why? Who's to say? Probably not. <laughs> Maybe. I mean... I guess. I don't know. And I am not going to mention the last one because that has no relevance to anybody but us. Agreed. <laughs> okay. So these are these have all been a list of wonderful doors that we very much appreciate. But let's talk about some doors we don't appreciate. It's time <laughs> to, to dish some, some salt towards some doors that need to do better. Yes. Uh, bathroom stall doors with too big of gaps. Oh, God. Example. It's oh, a first nightmare. You do not want to make eye contact with the person. Is this for peekaboo? <laughs> this isn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not great. Uh, shower doors that don't effectively keep water inside. So oh. we, we all have experienced a faulty shower door and a hey. faulty shower curtain. It's not <laughs> uh, doors that slam too loudly. Very, very annoying. Uh, it's like they hatefully force themselves closed if you don't guide them shut you know yeah do not like those uh yeah. we've already discussed doors that are too heavy i don't i don't i don't believe in that though that's something i have to like argue with you about you know? i mean like i mean like when there's a very tall huge door in like a like a really big office building or something and then there it'll be like the, a doorway that leads into another doorway you know like a little entry foyer thingy for yeah. like people to get their shoes sure dried off or whatever so like there's the first set of door and then the second set of door and there's a vacuum that's get that gets created 
right? Oh, in God. this space. And as you try to yank the door open, it pulls back. It pulls back on you because there's like less air pressure on the inside, I guess. It's trying to like, it just, it doesn't door correctly. It's too heavy and you have to put your whole back into it and really yank it open. And it drives me nuts. I'm sorry. You seem very passionate about this. I am very passionate about doors that are too heavy. I don't like them. All right, all right. I know, no, and doors that should be open but aren't. So, like when you've got two doors together and one side of them is locked and the other one isn't, and then you stupidly go to the other side after trying the one that happened to be locked. Annoying. Why do you make me look like this? Why? Why do you make me look a fool? Bad door. (laughs) And finally, spinny doors, revolving doors that are too small. Like when the space in there is just too tiny kind of scary you know yeah you you can't like flail around too much yeah yeah you want to you do you do it's if any if any of y'all have a door that you really like or a door that you really hate send it to us on our instagram and if any of you don't care about doors after listening to this episode be ashamed (laughs) this is all for you to appreciate this is about appreciating something that you encounter every day and have probably never ever thought about ever in this deep of a context so <laughs> you either loved it or you hated it and if you hated it sorry and if you loved it fist bump haters and hate okay but we, we've done justice to the demystifying these doors we have yeah. demystified some doors today and thank you for joining us as we did so this has been the unfinished mind uh and we will see you next week with some more fresh content about something delicious yay bye <laughs> ciao <laughs> the unfinished mind is brought to you by the polymathic scholars our scriptwriters this week were Ariane Ostera, Neha Yawalker, Darshan Silva Kumar, and Niels Levy Tubo. Sound designed by Jensen Richardson and Amaris Mendoza. Produced by Liz Kinnerk and Bill Tang. Our publicist is Claire Nevins, hosted by Ren Smith and Akshi Pant. Thanks for listening, and remember to follow your curiosity.